Hello there. Going through a divorce? Considering one? Sorry to hear that. But here you are. Welcome to Splitsville. You'll find Splitsville to be a pretty unique place. A new world, really, with its own rules, its own expectations, and in many ways, its own language. But don't worry. You have a knowledgeable guide along the way. A family law attorney with three decades of experience under her belt. And now, here she is. Your host and guide, Lee Sellers. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Welcome to Splitsville. I'm your host and guide, Lee Sellers, founder of Touchstone Family Law. And in this episode, I'll be answering another question that many newcomers to Splitsville have. How do you raise kids with your ex? So let's dive in. So today we are talking to Freddie Sexton and Jen Olin. And what excites me the most about having these two guests is these are survivors, if for lack of a better word, of divorce with children. And Jen and Freddie are going to be talking about their experience as parents and as ex-spouses and how they have navigated the entire journey from making the decision that their marriage was going to not continue to almost six years down the road, still successfully and happily parenting their children together, which is something that if you're listening to this podcast and you're at the beginning of this journey may seem impossible to imagine, but Jen and Freddie are, are proof that it's not just for Bruce and Demi. <laughs> so, thanks, Jen, for ha- thanks for having us today, Lee. I appreciate it. I'm excited. Thank you, Thank you guys for making time for it. So let's start at the beginning. Why don't uh, one of you tell me how you actually came to think about the kids and, and how your decision as adults was was going to impact the children. How did that conversation go? I'll take this one, Fred, if you want me to start. <laughs> go for it. So, you know, I think we're kind of in the midst of turmoil. I mean, you as partners, maybe it's both together decide, or maybe it's one that decides that they're not going to move forward with the relationship anymore. And there's a lot of hurt and pain on both sides. Really have to take a step back and look at what's going on. Freddie and I have always been very hands-on with our kids. We both worked full-time. And when we were home, we're both extremely hands-on with the kids and enjoyed the time that we spent with them. So as we were going through logistics of what it looked like to be separated and where should we live and how should we start maneuvering the kids back and forth and telling them, a lot of anxiety and concern started creeping up as to how do you decide what's right and how they're going to best adjust to this particular situation. And I think what helped Freddie and I in the beginning is we actually talked about those concerns that we, what what are the kids going to say? You know, how are we going to keep this as calm as possible? How are we going to let them know that this has nothing to do with them and that we both 
love them wholeheartedly and keep things as normal as possible when life was pretty much being turned upside down. And so through that conversation, my recollection, my recollection, and Freddie, please correct me if I'm wrong, through that conversation, we were sitting around the kitchen table one day just having these concerns. I'm sure I was crying and you know, just sort of said out loud, well, maybe we need to take each situation, whether it's where we're living, what school they're going to, what money looks like, with the question of how does this affect Ellie and Graham? How does this affect our kids? And what does that look like? And what's best for them? Freddie, feel free to add anything, but that's sort of my recollection on on how it began and that initial process of sort of, sort of sitting around the kitchen table and trying to figure out next steps. And how old were the children? Graham was two and Ellie was almost six. So very young. Ellie, we absolutely knew that she would remember the conversation and, and what was going on. Graham, not so much. He doesn't have a, a whole lot of memory of us living together. Faint things here or there that he'll bring up, but not a whole lot. Freddie, how did that conversation go? How do you recall it? Yeah, it's it's tough. Probably one of the hardest things that I'll ever do. So it's leading up to that when Jen was just talking, I was just thinking about like kind of weighing, do you stick out with this relationship? Like I've talked with other people you know, you kind of stick it out for the kids, like you may not be happy, but, you know, potentially they are, you know, I think that's up to everyone to kind of weigh the risk versus reward with a choice like that. Yeah, I just remember being really sad for, you know, through that period. And then, I mean, it got a lot just, I I don't want to sound like, I was just, I was just sad. I was depressed and it was, it was a hard, it was a hard phase. It was a lot harder than, I guess I wasn't really thinking about the future a lot in terms of what I wanted, but like Jen said, is trying to keep everything focused on the kids as much as possible. And I imagine that that elevates the difficulty of caring for the children when you're both feeling so vulnerable and raw and, and hurt as adults in your own route. And then you still have these very needy children. Yours were young. I remember going through, yeah, I'm sorry, Freddie. I remember going through a a phase where I would try extremely hard not to let them see me cry if I was at the house uh, with them and emotions start to come up. And I would try really, really hard to make sure that they didn't see me crying. And I was talking to a friend one time and she said to me, you know, what's wrong with letting them see you cry? Like, this is a, a change in your life. It's the next steps. And they need to understand that emotions are real and it's okay to feel those sort of emotions and it's okay to talk about them. So I remember that was a kind of life changing for me because, you know, when we lived together, if we had sad times or hard moments, I could walk away and Freddie was with the kids. But for myself, living there with them alone in the beginning, you can't really walk away, run away from that. So there was times when they were able to see that it was an emotional time, but it didn't take away from what we were doing with them and the love that they were getting. So real quick to jump in an important element that I want to stress to people listening to this now is that you project. And I guess we all as humans do what you think the future will be. And especially as a parent, I think you overthink a lot of stuff. And I've, I feel like as a parent now for 12 years, I've come to find that kids and humans in general are incredibly resilient and 
I remember, you know, after like it was it was a short kind of rainstorm for the kids and there was a little bit of confusion. But I think within like weeks, they were kind of living their new normal lives and they just want love and happiness and they they totally rolled with it. It was it was a lot easier, I think, from their perspective than it was for, for, for Jen and I. Is totally unrelated, but like we had to put a dog down a couple years ago, and I remember like the day after that had happened, Ellie was like, "Okay, let's go, let's get on Pet Finder and let's look at the new dog." I'm like, "Honey, like <laughs> girlfriend, you are like on it. We, we need to process this, and we need to be sad." She's like, "No, we need to go again." So there, and, and and that's just my experiences, and I don't know if other kids or, or whatever, but I I think. We can do a lot more than we think that we can. That's a good point. It's hard to not take your adult sensibilities and emotions and and assume that that these little little minds are are processing it in the same way. That is difficult sometimes to remember. That brain isn't working that way. Absolutely, it's easy to build up in your mind what you think their reaction is going to be, or how long, or how something's going to affect them, and and get yourself all worked up when that really isn't even the case. So. So tell me if you were looking back, one thing I'd love to know is in the beginning, what were what were some of the sort of bedrocks, the, the things that you guys put in place to really kind of honor this conversation, that question that you said of for everything we're gonna do, you know, let's let's first ask how is it going to impact the children? And while you have that that great intention, what steps did you put in place to make sure that you really kind of honored that as you were moving forward with each other? I think one of the things I can think of, and I'm sure Fred has, Freddie has some stuff to, to uh, add to it, but no matter how much it hurt to be in the same room together or see each other in person, we have from the beginning done as many face-to-face in-person meetings as we possibly could. There's something so different about being across the table from someone sharing a cup of coffee or having a glass of wine or whatever than there is texting or calling just to to feel that person that you've been with for, I don't know, however many years a couple has been with someone. And focus, you both have the same drive, you both have the same focus to want so much for your children and want to see them thrive that I feel like it was okay to be with each other in the same space when we had that one common ground. And it just helped us always kind of come back to that same question when we were talking about whatever situation might be going on. So even that decision to be in the same room was not for each other, but it was, it was just, that was in a, in a nutshell, a decision for the children. We're no matter how uncomfortable it may be this moment, I'm here. That's the way it felt for me. Absolutely. Freddie, what do you think that maybe for you personally was something that kind of kept you really centered with with the kids while you were going through the early stages? Good question. Personally, I made a choice to simplify my life. So I was like running multiple different businesses and was already kind of max stress and lots of like activities and volunteer engagements. So I just kind of took that down a lot, knowing that it would be personally hard for me. And like Jen said, to to 
focus as much time as I could on the kids. I, I definitely took the opportunity initially when I didn't have the kids to take care of like busy work and bills and kind of boring stuff. Or I don't know if you like paying bills, maybe you would, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> and then I, I got myself like a long-term, like new goal, something that I could focus on. And that was to do painting a day. So I found a, a, a little program and didn't take that long. And that brought me kind of like a new, a new thing in my life. And I enjoyed that. Yeah. And I had, I had people around me that were supportive of me and encouraging because, you know, you kind of go up and down. So, you know, wherever you are, I think it's important to have people that care for you and support you throughout the process. That's really interesting and, and simple, but I don't think people do it. You're basically saying that while you were going through this, you actually had to step back from other things to be able to take this on. This this co-parenting while separated actually was going to take enough time and energy. You recognized something else had to go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it did. And yeah. I think that's a good point. I've heard a lot of parents talk about just keeping everything the same. They have this feeling that they think their children will feel the most secure and safe with as little change as possible. So they're very focused on not making any changes in their lives, in their schedules, in their routines, in their world, because it's it's as if they sort of don't want the children to to notice the changes. And that's hard. I'm I'm absolutely sure that that must be really really hard. But I like Fred, um, Freddie that you're talking about. You just you just sort of recognized early on that was not going to bode well <laughs> for the success. And I get that feeling too. I mean, I know I struggled in the beginning with letting the kids do more than what I would have done when Fred, Freddie and I were together, whether it was staying up a little later or letting somebody sleep in the bed with me or, you know, doing more for them than I would normally do that they, you know, they could do things on their own, but I kind of stepped in just of feeling, you know, guilt or whatever you might want to put a name on it. So I understand that feeling, especially with some other parents, because I struggled back and forth with how much do I give? How much do I give more love, even more, give more to the kids than I did before and do th- more things for them than I did before? Or is it this very strict bedtime in your own bed every single night, nothing changes type of scenario? Um, and I think that there's a healthy balance because, you know, your uh, mental wellness is just as important. I mean, I know Freddie got a life coach. Um, I worked with a therapist. And I think there are times to give yourself permission to let your kids sleep with you in the bed if if they want to one night. But, you know, getting them right back into normal schedule is just as important but I think that that there is some flexibility there that it doesn't have to be so strict in the schedule and just communicating with them is, is so, so important. So how often do the two of you communicate about the children? Well, we still well, do. That, but. Yeah, <laughs> I would say almost every day. Yeah, Every yeah. day. I mean, if not every other day, we're, and I know we're not in the same room every day or every other day, but we're at least communicating about what's going on. And has it always been that way or did you you sort of fall into it more naturally over time? I mean, I would say it started that way from the beginning. I mean, even when we were together, you know, if one of us had something going on in the evenings, we were constantly communicating about the kids. And then we just kind of naturally fell into that same routine because of kind of what we set our own expectations of from the very beginning. And you guys talked about 
I think the, the importance of one-on-one meetings, like you, you guys meet in person. I'm sure that's not exclusive, but you guys make a point of meeting in person, um, not by text, email, or some other sort of communication app to talk about activities with the children or things that are concerning the children. Yeah. And I really have to give Freddie credit for that because that was sort of an initiative that he set forth with the two of us really early on. We knew we were communicating about the kids every couple of days regardless, but to have a set meeting once a month where we sat down and really talked about financials, what sort of behavior changes or challenges are you seeing at your house? How can I help on my end if you're seeing something at your house that I'm not seeing at my house? So, I mean, really in-depth kind of conversations about what was going on and just the whole conversation really turned into being supportive of each other so that both of us could enjoy the time that we had with kids. And so I really have to give Freddie credit on that because he, he sort of asked from the beginning if we could do that. And, you know, we've tried to stick to it as best as possible and through the whole journey. I think to add to that, I think it's natural to not want to spend time, especially face-to-face time with your ex. I mean, it's it's always going to be uncomfortable uh, regardless of the circumstances. So like Jen said, if you have the intentionality of the kids first and foremost, it makes that choice more simple. And yeah, you're always going to communicate better in person. Like I do sales, so I always want to meet with people and you get so much more context and color. And if it's it's, it's something as important as your kids, then I think you can make the time. And and that's a good point. I know that text and and emails are are sometimes convenient, but you do lose a, a layer of context when you're communicating in that way. And, and my texting is, is atrocious. Nobody even understands what I'm trying to say. It's a, a joke in my family. They send it among themselves to see if anybody can interpret it. <laughs> it's, I'm definitely a, a, sub, a source of amusement for them. How did you think that the children would not know differently because you guys have always parented this way? But how do you think that it has helped them cope and and grow with the two of you being apart, the way that you guys have approached it. What do you think the benefits for the children have been? Relative to if we were more combative or argumentative or whatever. Or more distant even, all of those things. More more separated, I guess, if that makes sense. Jen, do you want to take that first? Well, I think it's an important note to say that the kids in the very beginning didn't see Freddie and I together that much because it was really difficult for them to go with one of us and not the other when it was time to walk away. So Freddie and I talked about that. I mean, we thought, oh, they're going to see us together and see us in the room, same room together or, or one's dropping the other one off at the other's house and they're going to see us getting along and it's going to be great. And it was hard. And so we decided in the beginning that that wasn't what we should do. We should still be meeting and doing what we set our attentions to be. But, you know, I would drop the kids off Wednesday morning at school and then drop a bag over at Fred's for anything he might need for the next few days. And Fred would pick them, Freddie would pick them up from school on Wednesday. So they didn't see us together to help with that ease a little bit in the beginning. Slowly, we've gotten into feeling so much more comfortable. They don't have a problem with that separation anymore. I mean, 
you know, right now, especially with the pandemic going on, we changed our schedule to week on, week off. We were 225 schedule before and really just for the safety of the kids and for a lifestyle with homeschooling and not disrupting homeschooling and things like that, we decided to do week on, week, week off. Well, we're at each other's houses a couple times throughout the week because a week's too long for for our family life. A week's too long for our youngest to be away from one or the other for right now. So we want to be able to see them in, in that gap time. And so it's very comfortable right now. I'll go over to Freddie's house and take the kids on a short walk, you know, just to say hi, see how the week's going, things like that. And so they can see that connection and they, they see the comfort level and they see us interacting, but it, it didn't happen right away. And Freddie? Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's, it's a process like, like everything is. So you kind of create your plan and, and, and stick to it. But yeah, I, I think that they're, to answer your question, I think they're better off because of it and they're, they're stronger and hopefully will be happy adults because of this. What are some things that looking back, because you guys have been not in the same household for more than five years. If you look back at it, what are some things that in retrospect or in hindsight, you would say maybe that 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 missed its mark or I wouldn't recommend to somebody else that they they try that. I mean, you mentioned already the being together a lot in the beginning. You, you learned real quickly that was actually not landing like you wanted it to with the children. So there's some presumption in the question that we're not perfect. And <laughs> I will neither object or whatever. <laughs> no idea why I come from that place. <laughs> Uh, you can start, Freddie. Yeah, I, I I don't have a lot. There's there's not any big things that are coming to mind. I know finances were tough and hard, but going into it, like you don't really know what to expect with that. Yeah, do you have any thoughts, Jen? I think I would say that that's been our hardest struggle. I mean, I probably I or we didn't do a really good job of getting the right questions answered in the beginning as far as financials are concerned? How does it work? I think we didn't get a lot of those questions answered in the beginning that we should have. For example, the rules around child support. I know I had a lot of questions and should have asked more about uh, what that entails and how does it change when someone income income changes and what does that take? There's I still have questions around that. Now, Freddie and I have a different situation going on. I mean, I went in working extremely hard to have two completely separate financials going on. And we've accomplished that. It took a while, but we've accomplished that. And so that was one of my main goals because it was such a struggle to talk about in the beginning. And it was very hard for me, especially that my personal goal was to get to a place that that didn't have to be discussed anymore. That things that came up with the kids, we split costs and we run our own life and making sure that, you know, we both have lifestyles that are, are good for the kids and safe for the kids and comfortable, but that we weren't relying on each other for that particular piece. So I know for me, especially, that was just extremely difficult. And I didn't know how to have the conversation with Freddie. I mean, I think that when we got together, if there were tears, they were mine. And 100% of the time, those tears were around a financial conversation. They weren't about, to me, the other stuff was easy. You know, what, 
do we make a, a school change? What camp should they go to? You know, somebody's having a behavioral problem at home. Those were easy conversations. So for me personally, that was the hardest part. And I wish I had better coaching on how to deal with that and have conversations and not let it get so emotional for me personally. I'm taking notes. <laughs> That's a really good feedback from somebody who's supposed to be helping people with those questions. I guess we're falling a lot shorter than we want to, but it really I, it isn't surprising if you read the statistics about what married couples disagree about. I mean, finances is really high in the list of, of just in any married household, you know, that goes pretty high about the things that, that married couples fight about. So it shouldn't be shocking that that would continue even when you're not sharing a household anymore to some extent. Yeah. And I think that's the point too, is like, there is so much going on when you're going through a separation. You're, you're balancing what's best for the kids. You're trying to figure out your own living situations. You're trying to figure out, you know, work balance of work and home life. And then you're also, there's finances is such a big part of it. And maybe it's just brain capacity that like to sit there and really take it all in. You know, I remember it was, what are you making right now? Show factual information around that. Okay, this is the agreement. Okay, sign off on it. Go on your merry way. There was no real, okay, you know, six months from now when Freddie loses a big client or Jen switches to another job, do we come right back running to the lawyers? Like, I have no idea. And so there's a lot of questions there that I just didn't even know to ask. That's got to make it harder when you really are trying to focus on the children, because in some ways that is why the questions are coming up. But on the other hand, it probably just really falls in a very uncomfortable zone. You're still, you're talking about money with a, you know, someone who you're not sharing the household anymore. And, and it is fraught with, with finances. What were some tools that you guys sort of had to, to get through that to make sure that I, I would say so that it's not always the same conversation over and over because if there is an income disparity. Yeah. No, and, and the same I, conversation because it's going to be the same person being asked to contribute more in, in situations where there is an income disparity if it stays the same. Yeah. yeah and I, I remember the first couple of meetings, we let the financials take over the majority of the meeting time. And again, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot some props to, to Freddie here, but I remember him saying, I think we need to cut <laughs> a time. Like we need to say, okay, it's, this is the same conversation we had last month. There's nothing new we're going to accomplish this month. Let's talk about something else. Like let's move on. And then we just kind of got into that routine where it was, okay, we get the financial information or conversation out of the way in the beginning. And then it was like this huge weight got lifted off of both of our soldiers. And we got to sit back and talk about, oh, Ellie made a new friend at school or what sort of how our son's learning a new sport, whatever it might be, a much more centered conversation back to our comfort zone and, and wh why we really wanted to be in the same room together and continuing that really strong relationship. So but it, it it very easily took over the conversation a lot in the beginning, um, which was really difficult. Freddie, how do you think, you guys have both mentioned this word support. How do you feel, what are some um, good examples of how you can support the other parent when you're 
parenting into houses? Because you both talked about how important it is that you guys have been doing it. What are just some real life examples of, of, of how you how you do that? What does support look like to the two of you and from the other parent? Yeah, great question. Maybe to go back with what we started with, with the focus on the kids and, you know, how do we ensure the best possible life for them? You know, presumably if your ex is struggling with whatever it is, finances, mental health, housing, or lots of other things, jobs, whatever, presumably the more support you can provide for them, your, you know, in our case with intentionality, the better off the kids are. I sense that other people may view it differently. You know, I see, I hear couples like, okay, you know, somebody's fallen on hard times or like, they're just going to like bury them and crush them into the ground. And I think that may be like spur of the moment, or I don't know why people would, would choose that, but like, doesn't matter what happens to the other person, they're always going to be the the parent of your, your children. So maybe try not to be as, I don't know, mean, that's a hard word for me, but maybe he's sympathetic and understanding and that other person's always going to be there. Very good points. Jen, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. I mean, that's a real life example for us. I mean, I was struggling, needed a new job and because of our connections and our conversations getting together face to face, you know, having these conversations, Freddie knew I was looking for a new job. And he was the first one to try to introduce me to some of his contacts. Because if I was out of a job, that's not, it doesn't end well for the kids. And of course, I'm stressing out about it. So that doesn't help your mental health and everything else. So he's absolutely right. I mean, you may not think about something as big as, you know, oh, the other person's job or what someone else might be going through, but it trickles down and absolutely affects them when they're with your children. And so you want to be as supportive as possible. And that goes a long way. It kind of just happened naturally, which I'm very thankful for. But, you know, to really sit and think about it, that's so important supporting the other person, not I'm not talking about financially, but just in any way that you possibly can. You both mentioned this in, in different ways where you were talking about being flexible about the schedule, about one of your children not being able to really go that long or seven days without seeing the other parent, which is remarkably helpful for the children that it's not so much about my time, your time, but talk about some of the difficulties you have when it isn't your time, when the parents are, when the children are at the other parent's house and you're not actively, I guess, on deck. How is, how do you deal with, with that? I know that for me, I had a really hard time in the beginning not being with them. And I don't know if there's a really good answer around it. I think that there's a lot of practice, mental practice you have to do to get to a good place. And I think even when you're by yourself, you can ask yourself the question, is this the best thing for the kids? And I can't imagine my kids not being with their dad. I mean, that would destroy them and... And so the answer is absolutely yes. So if this is going to be our life and detour that we decide to take, then, you know, that has to be shared. And I think that we've both done a good job of being respectful of each other's time. No one's 
taking away from someone else's time or, or we do an even trade so that we both feel like we're getting the time that we need. But I mean, me being flexible for a trip that Freddie wants to take the kids on. And I say, yes, absolutely. The next time I ask him, Hey, can you be flexible so I can take the kids on this trip? He's going to say, yes, absolutely. So I think it's the kindness that you, you show towards someone and it, it can come back. If you, if you both can agree that it's in best interest of the kids, then I think it can come back tenfold to help the whole situation, especially them. I mean, I, I don't, I would never want to take a, away from them to be able to have an adventure with their dad or go on a really cool experience that maybe I don't have the opportunity to take them on right now. Why should they be held back? So yeah, Freddie, do you have anything? Something that comes to mind is solitude. So I remember like how quiet my life was when the kids weren't there. It was like, man, like I didn't expect it to really feel like that. And I, I recognized that and I would just like call people up and be like, Hey, what are you doing? Let's get together. Let's go do something. Let's go look at the sunset or whatever. So I, I definitely struggled with that, but that was kind of an unknown Freddie, I think you yeah. had, had mentioned once when we were we were talking earlier that people would joke and, and like kind of make fun and go, wow, it'd be great not to have my kids half the time or something like that. And and you you do not find that sort of joke funny. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people say it to me like, oh, man, it'd be great to have a date night or whatever and or a date weekend or, or things like that. And I think it's important to recognize like for everyone to recognize what their life is like today, like I, I know that I take lots of the aspects of my life and my health and how the way I'm able to live my life totally for granted. So I feel like comments like that kind of smack of that and that are, they don't come from a very grounded place. And I'm not sure how serious they are, but I get a fair amount of people that, that share that with me and I'm like, yeah, you do. But you don't get to see your kids nearly as much as you'd like to. So, and it's not possible for that person that's thinking that or saying that to feel that, like that solitude that I shared a second ago, because presumably they, they haven't had it. Jen, you, you brought up something um, in earlier conversations and I thought this was one of those things that I don't think people are thinking about when I'm working with them is one thing that, that you weren't expecting is how you were going to feel when Freddie had a new relationship or, or, you know, you have this additional now person that's in Freddie's life that's now in your child's life. And I think Freddie, you're remarried. Yes. Okay. So stepmother. Yep. The yeah. Disney term. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, it was really difficult. You know, and Fred had a couple of different relationships and I would obviously we we have both promised each other again that question, what's best for the kids? Kindness, speaking kindness with the with the kids. You can ask questions, not leading questions, you know, what's going on? Have you met this person? How do you feel? You know, things like that. But also Freddie and I have always been honest with each other through this separation. If we are seeing someone, so it wasn't unexpected. We're not hearing it from the kids. We're hearing it from each other first. But yeah, I mean, there nothing can take away from the emotions of Freddie has found this fantastic person and she loves our kids. She's a wonderful stepmom. And there's this raw emotion of being scared or sad sometimes when 
they're being taken care of by her just as good as when they're being taken care of by me. And my emotions are real and there's nothing to hide away from. But when you go back to that question of what's best for my kids, I mean, they have a mother who loves them at both households when they go back and forth. And so, you know, 100%, this is the best choice for them. So I'm very lucky that they have her and that Fred has her, but you don't expect, you never, you can never imagine how you're going to feel until you're actually in the space where the four of them are, she has two kids as well. So you can multiply to six very fast <laughs> are on at the, at Thanksgiving together and they're spending you know time with their new mom and their other siblings and having a fantastic time. And I think that part of what has helped through that is again, not this battle of my time, your time, my time, your time, because Freddie and I have, have always, no matter what time, day, weekend it is, if the uh, if the co-parent wants to talk to the kids to say hi, they absolutely can do it at any time. And just hearing their voices on the other side of the phone and how much fun they're having and that they're happy and safe and well taken care of helps with those emotions and, and how you might be feeling. So yeah, I mean, we're... We're extremely lucky, but you you just don't know until you're in this situation how you're going to feel when when that happens, and you you hope that it does for the other person, for sure. And Freddie, how did you deal with that? <laughs> I just think that'd be almost like being stuck between two women in some ways. I mean, was it difficult for you to be knowing that this this component was happening, and you've built this great co-parenting relationship with Jen? It sounds mm-hmm. like, and then okay, here I here I come. I'm going to bring in this element. Yeah, good question. I I think it's a pretty easy answer for me. I I definitely identified a lot of my shortcomings and my personality through like some of these coaching exercises and whatnot and just like basic things like like I said earlier, paying bills or like organization or cleanliness or some of these other things where I was like totally failing at. So I guess it wasn't a hard choice for me to know that I'm like barely holding it together and, you know, still trying to run one of my businesses and and other kinds of things. So, I mean, for me, my personality, I think I'm better off with a a supportive and and loving partner. Like I I don't feel like I do that well by my own. So, uh, yeah. Well, I loved that. That's what Jen, she didn't just say the kids were lucky. She was happy for you. And and it goes back to this fact of the support that you guys show for each other, that it was something you needed and and she's happy for that. And and that's definitely extraordinary. And I would think that 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 behavior towards each other would be a great model for your children. How do you think the way that you guys have dealt with any disputes or disagreements or just issues and problems, what do you think it's been teaching your children to watch the way you guys parent because they're all school age now they would definitely have friends that have different situations i don't think it really impacts them that much i mean we jen and i communicate so much like i think them viewing their lives versus other kids or things like yeah they have a mommy's house and a daddy's house but i feel like everything else is kind of the same from their point of view i mean they're loved and they're fed and they have fun and that's what's important in their lives right now. And a lot of people would measure that as success. Your kids are having a childhood. Absolutely. I hope so. Absolutely. 
What else would you want to add to a conversation, you know, knowing that, you know, you're not going to know necessarily who's listening to this, but what would be like the most important thing you would want to leave people with that are listening to this, that are, that are struggling to, to enter into this kind of, who hope to be where you guys are? Well, I think that, first of all, every separation is going to be for a different reason. Our story is is our story, and everyone else has a reason why their marriage may not have worked out. But at the core, kind of setting those intentions together to try to help your kids that you brought into this earth have the best life possible and show that you they have two people who love them so much no matter what's going on in the background they love them so much that they will work through anything goes a, a long way and Fred and I Freddie and I have had multiple conversations where one of us brings an idea to the other person and the other person saying I don't I don't think that's a good idea that I don't think that we should do that and it's going back to that intention and that core question and talking through it to figure out if it's the best decision, not for me, not for Freddie, but for the kids that have helped, that has helped like through every step of the way. So I would just say our advice would be, or my advice would be to set your intentions from the beginning and just have open communication. Freddie and I were on the phone just as recent as yesterday about some decisions that need to be made. With the second phase of opening and things like that, there are a lot of decisions that need to be made on on the safety for our kids right now. And, you know, getting on the same wavelength and coming up with one answer is not easy. It's not easy. So we'll have many, many more conversations as the pandemic continues to go forward. And that's not going to go away for the next, what do we say, Graham's with us for in the house for maybe another 10 years, Freddie? So... <laughs> We'll have many more conversations together and many more obstacles and detours. But again, uh, just kind of setting that intention from the beginning, I think it's just gone a long way. Yeah, I think that everything started with that intention, maybe some like lower level, more tactical kinds of things. Like I, I shared earlier, stay focused on your mental health and physical health. So like if you feel like you want to go outside, you go outside and take walks or you know, do things that bring you joy and kind of uh, enrich your mind and body and soul and, and definitely, you know, exercise, drink plenty of water, try and put good foods into your body. I think it's easy to kind of fall into a uh, rut. So the more intentional you can be about that, I think the better. And, and, and again, like I, I shared also earlier, having people around you that can support you as at least for me was, was a big deal. Great. Well, I hope that, you know, before the eight years is up, maybe we can have you come back and touch base. And, and this is going to be like a great experiment uh, talking about it from, you know, the perspective of uh, watching them graduate or get married or hold their first children, because you're definitely it's like you said, it, it's going to go on for their entire lives. And it's just been a real privilege to um, have you guys here to, to share your story and, and 
I hope spread some hope with people who are really stuck in the early parts of this, that this too shall pass and, and, and maybe be even better because I'm sure you remember it was pretty scary in the beginning. Definitely. We uh, thank you both for your time so much. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. Thanks for having us. So there you have it. Another neighborhood of Splitsville explored. There's still so much to learn here. So I hope you'll tune in to the next episode. While Splitsville is not a fun place to be, thankfully, it is full of helpful people, valuable resources, and sound advice if you know where to look. See you next time. The insights and views presented in Welcome to Splitsville are for general information purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. Nor does tuning into this podcast constitute an attorney-client relationship of any kind. If you're ready for compassionate and reliable legal guidance on your journey, contact Lee Sellers and her team at www.touchstonefamilylaw.com.